you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Eric the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And uh, Sherry B and J Mac are on tap to help us navigate the show. We will open the phone lines up in the last segment. Get your take on some of the discussion today. Today's show is uh, asking the question, what if my local church shifts? So like what what if what if I'm a part of a local congregation where or even like I think probably the bigger discussion um is what if my denomination starts to undergo a shift? Mm. You know, like what what happens and and then even some questions like how can we identify that? How can we spot that? This is not going to be an exhaustive show. People understand. We just don't have the time to do it. But now we have been known to do a two or three parter. That's true. Um but I do, I have this story that I was reading and I thought that this story would be a nice springboard to really just ask the question, what if my local church shifts? Which, by the way, that's one of the questions. Uh, well, we get many different questions and comments from you. So I wouldn't say that there's one that we could just say. But I, I think that this question uh, categorically is one that we get a lot of. This is what's being taught in my church. Or I feel like we're leaning in this direction. Um, there are some comments and, and most pronounced we've seen that um, with the rise of critical race theory mm -hmm. that people are uh, reaching out to us. And so we're, we're doing our doing. We are doing our best to <laughs> during our best to navigate um, those questions, because sometimes the questions can be as specific and as varied as the congregation, you yeah, know, and yeah. because uh, critical race theory is very deceptive. Um, the the smooth honey flowing words of some people who are communicating it can kind of fly under the radar, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I d there's news for you today. I'm actually not going to focus so much on critical race theory as the springboard okay. for this conversation. Hmm. Kind of set you up there for a second. You thought that's where we're going. Nope. We have a DVD that is coming out, a two part DVD that is coming that's out true. on critical race theory, where I really tried to exhaust the topic. People who've listened to our program for any length of time will know that for the past several years, we were talking about critical race theory before it boldly and brazenly breached the perimeter of for the schoolhouse. We've been talking about this for a long time. In fact, some people would have said that um, it was a solution without a problem when we started talking about it. Right. What's the big <laughs> but, deal? What, what are you guys talking about? Um, but as we were talking with um, the director of American Family Studios, we kind of shared just a little bit of a chuckle because at the time that I was wrapping up the the taping of this DVD and, and it has mm -hmm. to go through production and all of that, he said, man, you know, now it's at the point where, you know, he goes, you know, when, when there are certain people in my life, when they start talking about it, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is a thing. Right. You know? Right. And so then I, I kind of jumped in and, and, and I said, yeah, once it's, once it's been discussed among the vegetables at Walmart, yeah. then that's when it becomes a thing. Yeah. But do you understand that the nature of a person who God calls to be a watchman is that you see it before it re before it reaches the produce section. Mm. So by the time it reaches the produce section, 
then the body of Christ needs to have already been ready. You know what I'm saying? Like we are now ready to give a response. And so anyways, even though I felt for a long time, we were talking about this and I, I like, I was like, people don't y'all see this is a big deal. And so slowly, you know, I, I think other members of the body of Christ are to say, yeah, Hey, this is, this is a thing. This is happening. And, um, you know, most importantly, it's happening to the church. And so now, um, it's become very mainstream yeah. and very widespread, but I think it's important for the body of Christ to know that this is not, it's not a, a last couple months, last six months attack. Right. You know, right. Um, this has been going on for years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, anyways, so that DVD will be out this month and you can go to the AFA resource center and get it. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not comfortable to ask people to invest, you know, like to, to buy things that I do. You know what I mean? I, it makes me a little bit uncomfortable to say that, mm-hmm. but can I just say with this, I want to recommend that people get it. Yeah. I, I really think that at least every church should have a copy of it and like, you know, loan it out <laughs> to yeah. its members. I mean, it's a great resource about what's going on I, man, because there's I hate, a lot yeah. of terms and different things that, you know, that you can be unfamiliar with, but this uh, is something that you can use within your church, you know, to educate yourself about what's trying to invade the church today. And, and yeah. we hear a lot about CRT in the news, you know, as pertaining to schools and things mm-hmm. like that. But there's also an effect that it's having on, on the church. And I think um, every believer needs to, under, need to understand uh, this topic. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And, and I will just tell you, I didn't research this to be able to present it. I was ready to present it because I had already researched it. Right. Because I already, I saw it upsetting the church and I was like, man, what is this? You know? So anyways, I didn't, I, that's not the scope of what we want to talk about today, but that is causing church shifts. Okay, so maybe we do a part two where we discuss that. But I feel like if you listen to our program, you are so well versed or or you're getting there. You're getting there that it it may be, um, if not a dead horse, a horse that is severely injured. Like it's it's, you know. So so anyway, today, the question, what if my local church shifts? And this is a blanket question, but I want to use a particular story as a backdrop to kind of start us for where we need to be. If you listen to this program, you know that on a regular basis, man, we are unapologetically filtering cultural issues through a biblical lens. We are asking the question, you know, how do we navigate what's going on in the culture based on being aligned with the straight edge of the word of God? Amen. Our encouragement every single day is for you to secure your own mask first, then reach over, secure the mask of your children and your grandchildren and your neighbors and kind of work your way out from there. Amen. And so when we're having this conversation today, This is not just, you know, what do I do? What signs do I need to look for? But the big question is, how do I, first of all, fortify myself and my family against the subtleties of the deceptions that are pervasive in the church today? Mm. And so when you see these things happening, when you hear these things, when people say, you know, weird, nice sounding things, I'm thinking back, we did a show where we talked about, you know, things (laughs) Like pronoun hospitality. Right. What is that? I mean, Come on, you know. man. Like, you know, we, we hear those things and we're just like, okay, you know, <laughs> what? You know, and, and, and depending on whether or not you're enamored with people mm. more so than the word, you know, whether you kind of, right. you know, then you are given to kind of adopting these things because the person that you like says it. Right. And so there's a way God has set us up 
to be protected and defended against that temptation. And it's a very real temptation. So here is the story. And then and then we'll just kind of go through unpacking some questions like our, you, you listen, you know how we do. You know, we're we're just average folks who love Jesus. Amen. So we don't need a whole lot of letters behind our name to be able to defend the faith because the, the faith has has been transmitted by people just like you and me. Come on, people just like you and me defended the truth. Yep. All right. Um, so this is another Christian Post story here. A UK-based Methodist church votes to approve gay marriage and recognize cohabitating couples. I should probably give a disclaimer and just say, you know, um, this this show may not be suitable for younger listeners. Mm-hmm. Maybe it just depends on what kind of uh, conversation you've already had. You know, if, 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 you know, you know, all right. But again, let me just also say, I'm talking about the church. So, okay. (laughs) This is new in the Methodist church. I thought they had already gone. Well, this is, this is the UK based Methodist church. They Mm. had tabled a resolution and now what they have come back to do is to finalize Mm. uh, this resolution that would allow, that would sanction Mm -hmm. um, so-called gay marriage, allow for churches to host them but then also to recognize cohabitating couples. Mm. And well, okay, let's just get into it. Here we go. The Methodist church of the United Kingdom passed resolutions to approve the blessing. I'm just going to read the article. You guys know you have to mentally correct here, right? Or should I say spiritually correct when, <laughs> as you hear these things being read? All right. Um, passed resolutions to approve the blessing of same sex unions and recognize cohabitating couples. The London-based Methodist Conference announced Wednesday that it has voted to confirm the resolutions at its gathering held in Birmingham. Um, Quote, a report on marriage and relationships, God in love unites us. That's the name of the report. Mm. God in love unites us. Okay. Was received by the conference in 2019 and the local district synods were asked to consider the provisional resolutions and report back to this year's conference. That's according to statement details. The conference received a report on the results of the local conferring, uh, which showed that 29 out of the 30 synods confirmed support of the provisional resolutions. The conference voted 256 to 45, 256 to 45 to allow its ministers to perform same sex wedding ceremonies and for churches to be locations for such services. Wow. 256 to 45. Can you imagine what it was like to be the 45? Right. Right. Think about, think about those. And and my question is always how did the 200, what is it? 200 and 256. How did that come about? Like what, where, where was the church discipline or the, the, mm-hmm. you know adhering to the scripture drop like yeah. where where did that happen because that's a lot of people yeah you know that voted in that way and the 45 I, that that shocks me too in, in a sense of man how did they stay you know uh you know close to the word and, and to what the bible <laughs> said like how did they even how did they make yeah. it through <laughs> yeah that's a, that's a, th- you know those are all great questions and those questions are exactly why we have to have this conversation because to get to be this is bad to be in that number to be in the 256 you have to have rejected the authority of scripture a long time ago Mm. in order to be in the 256 
You have to believe that there is not just the faith, which is what we teach our children. When we are culture proofing our children and we're trying to make our children impervious to this culture, we teach them that there are not many faiths, right? That there is just the one faith. And we do this by standing on the inerrant word of God. So that's, that's our straight edge, the word of God. But in order to be in the 256 number, you have to have rejected that a very long time ago. Mm. And which depending on how the, how the 45 arrived at their positions, you know, I don't, I don't want to lionize people who were, you know, were, are not to be, but right. depending on how the 45 got there, they have to have made up a, made up their minds that the word of God is sufficient and, yeah. and had, yeah. it has to have been decided long ago as well. Yeah. I agree. This is like what we talked about a couple of days ago. You're not making this up right there the day of the vote. Right. You know what I mean? You're like, the you're not thing. showing up. Exactly right. Exactly right. You're not showing up, um, you know, in Birmingham and saying, <laughs> right. oh, you know, my UK boy. <laughs> anyway, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're yeah. not doing it that day. Yeah. You've already decided where you are. Man. All right. That's sad, though, because these denominations they do have like organized leadership. Oh, like, it's frightening. You know, like they yeah. have a system, like they have elders. I, I call them elders, but you know, they have different. Yeah. So man, that that's saying that it's totally corrupt, you know? Yeah. Yeah. In, in mass quantity, man. in mass quantity, the Reverend Sonia Hicks, the conference's new president said in a statement that the debate over the resolutions has been conducted with grace and mutual respect. Grace and mutual respect. Hmm. Um, it's interesting, though, that the respect is not of the word of God. Mm. The respect here, as is referred to, is just of a dissenting opinion. As she would see it, I would imagine. And I'm assuming that this is a woman, Sonia. So the, the, the respect is just over the dissenting opinion. Right. right. It's not the respect for the word of God. And let's go a little bit stronger here. The fear of the word of God. It's not, that's not what the grace and respect or fear is. That's, you know, so in, in, a, in a sense, this kind of position becomes just, just a clever talking point. And, in, and I'm being generous by saying clever. It's not clever. It's really uninformed. Mm. All right. Quote, as we move forward together after this historic day for our church, we must remember to continue to hold each other in prayer and to support each other, respecting our differences. Oh, that's all we're talking about. You like flip flops. I like tennis shoes. Man. That's it. That's we're just talking about our differences. We'll pick up with this story on the other side of the break and I'll continue to unpack what we do if our local churches shift. Mm. Aaron, the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening and spending this hour with us where we boldly um, and unapologetically discuss the faith. We are Christians, first and foremost. We are followers of the way, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been purchased by his blood. That sounds 
pretty churchy to people who don't understand, but it's a fact. So, I mean, I could, I don't know how to, I don't know, you know, what would make people feel more comfortable. You got people like, can I, we live in a culture where people walk around tying little red yarn strings around their wrist. And they, they don't have to apologize for that or say, I know that seems a little bit weird, but I believe, no, they don't do it. They just, they just live their authentic selves or whatever they think that to be, right? But we as Christians are constantly apologizing and constantly asking the culture for permission to exist, really just begging to be liked. I reject that. I think the time is over for that. I have embraced the fact that I'm not going to be liked in all settings. It's neat. When I walk into a place and people do want to see me. Right. <laughs> hey, I'm glad you're here. Oh, you are. Because we're not used to that. <laughs> if you become increasingly more comfortable with being disliked. Now, that that is not a call to just be unbearable. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes you're like, no, it's not because of Christ that I don't like you. It's you. <laughs> I don't like you. Right? You don't want that. Okay? But if it's because you are telling the truth about what the word of God says and you're mm -hmm. telling the truth about what Jesus Christ claimed if if that's why people don't like you then you just got to make up your mind that you're okay with that and um your suffering is only for a short time it's only for a short time so anyways i'm miki and i'm will and that was dunson Oyekin with yahweh so we were talking about this article here and using it as a springboard to ask the question what if my local church shifts which increasingly is happening as um you know entire denominations are doing so as well UK-based Methodist Church votes to approve gay marriage, so-called, and recognize cohabitating couples. Let's move on to that to that portion of the article. Um, so back to the article here Re regarding cohabitation. The conference approved a, revo a, a revolution, approved a resolution stating that it quote recognizes that the love of God is present, either through informal cohabitation or a more formal commitment entered into publicly, end quote. I'm going to read that for you again. I'm going to read that for you again because I think that that is one of the most overtly hateful resolutions I've ever read coming from a church. Hmm. It is one of the most diabolical, sinful, and wicked, one of... <laughs> It flatly and outrightly denies the authority of scripture and it lies about the holiness of God. So let me read that resolution to you again. Again, this is regarding cohabitation. The UK Methodist Church quote, recognizes that the love of God is present either through informal cohabitation or a more formal commitment entered into publicly. So whether you're married or you're not, mm -hmm. um, the love of God is present. And because we have made this feeling synonymous with approval, what they are by extension saying is that God approves of what you're doing. Yes, 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 and amen to what you're doing quote as a church we wish to celebrate that the love of God is present in these circumstances even if that grace is not responded to or even discerned by the people concerned <gasps> so hmm. 
So you have a provision. I, I was going to say you have a provision for sin, but we can't really, we can't call it sin because we're not even willing to identify that there is such a thing. Hmm. So we can't, we can't call it that. We just call it a lifestyle choice maybe. And then we, and we just say that, you know, God is present there, whether or not you enter into a covenant or not, whether you discern that God loves you or not, because discerning and coming to understand the love of God demands a response from you, by the way, Mm. by the way, people who say God loves me when you really, really understand this, when you have a biblical definition of the love that God has for you and you really understand it, your automatic response is what do I need to do? Lord, what, 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 what do you want from me? So people who walk away saying God loves me and they continue on living in their own life, doing whatever they want. They really don't understand the love of God. That's right. It's much, it's much like our, our kids being hard pressed to truly understand what a healthy marriage looks like because all that our culture celebrates is what Hollywood produces. Right. They don't, they don't know. They don't know. Let me read that line again. As a church, we wish to celebrate that the love of God is present in these circumstances, these circumstances being the cohabitation. Okay. Even if that grace is not responded to or even discerned by the people concerned. Continuing here, quote, the church has an important calling, therefore, to point to the presence of God's love within such relationships (laughs) and to encourage people to respond to it in the renewing and deepening by whatever means of their commitment. (laughs) Wait, but but you can't really you can't you can't invite people to that because you have no way to measure that. Deepening what? What commitment is there? And then people say, well, they're living together. Isn't that a recognized enough commitment? I mean, they're, they're living together. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you call that a commitment? No. No, I wouldn't. I, wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't call it a commitment that the Lord recognizes. I would say you have committed that you're living together. But you have not entered into a covenant relationship that the Lord recognizes. Well, we don't really we don't know if there's if there's a way to recognize. I mean, it's a piece of paper. (laughs) It's just a piece of paper. But I think the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrated that, yeah, it, it actually can be measured. And this is from the beginning. Right. But because people, you know, they love they love Jesus. And because they separate which I think is very dangerous to do. Jesus, as if he just appeared on the scene in the New Testament, the eternally existent one, John chapter one. But humor me for a second, because I seem to recall an encounter between Jesus and this woman at the well. You guys remember her? Yeah. (laughs) The one who was in a commitment. You remember her, Mm -hmm. right? John chapter four, I'm going to start at verse 16. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. (laughs) The woman answered him. I have no husband. Jesus said to her. And I can kind of imagine, like, if you do a little bit of like background, you kind of, you know. There's a couple different meanings here. There are a couple different meanings here that could have been coming from this woman. Okay. 
She could have been denying the fact that she was living with a man. Or she could have been acknowledging that she lives with a man, but she's not married to him. But either way it goes, this is what Jesus says to her. You are right in saying I have no husband. Man, I love the Lord. Like people who think like you have just this sort of like flat look where you're just you're just like, you know, there's no you don't understand the audacity of our savior. The in 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 a sense sort of the the humor, the sort of like mm, the tilted head response of hmm. well, technically you're right. Is what Jesus is saying to her. So technically you're telling me the truth, but the Messiah is saying, but you and I both know that you're not being forthright. Technically what you're saying is right. So Jesus says, you are right in saying I have no husband, but for you have had five husbands Mm -hmm. and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Then the woman said to him, sir, I I perceive that you are a prophet. Really? Right. Right. What is Jesus saying to her? You're in a relationship with a man, but just being in that relationship with that man does not make him your husband. There is a way that we can qualify this. There's a way that we can measure this. So what happens when our churches start to ignore this? What happens when our churches start to normalize sin? Is there a way? Can we be ready to test the position or the actions of our local congregations? Yes. How do we do this? Well, the word of God must be the straight edge. Amen. Amen. And you've got to already have made up your mind that the word of God is supreme. That it is not the opinion of people that you like or that you're in relationship with. But that you're always asking the question, where is that in the Bible? Show me where that is in scripture. Because the Lord really set us up to win by clinging to truth. In fact, that's that really it. That is the only anchor. It's it's not going to be like your favorite teacher. It's not going to be your favorite radio host that historically you're like, well, they've always been biblically sound. No, because the only thing that we are looking to as sound and dependable is the Bible itself, not someone's take on it. Right. And when you start looking at other others take on it, you get what we are talking about here. That's what happens here. You know? So. So the reading and the study of the word of God fortifies us and our children. Yeah. Against what the apostle Paul told or described for the Galatians as like other gospels. Mm or heresies. And then people say, well, you know, that's just that denomination's take on it as if we are dealing with multiple iterations of the faith, which then means you have to move. You have to take the article from in front of faith. It can't be the faith and have multiple iterations of it. It would have to be a, a faith. It, The faith, meaning that there is one faith. Jude chapter one, verse three, beloved, although I was eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all. Wait a minute, not for some. 
are not more than one time for all. Once for all delivered to the saints. Once for all delivered to the saints. First Corinthians chapter 15 verses one and two. Now I would remind you brothers of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain mm. for I delivered to you as a first importance, what I also received. <laughs> oh, so Paul didn't make it up. Right, right. The consistent message of the gospel is undeniable, by the way. I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised in the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So how do we check? How do we know if there is a different gospel? If there is something that is presented to us that is antithetical to the faith, as we have received it. Now this presumes that you've received it intact, but again, the Bible fortifies you against that, a misrepresentation of the gospel as well. There must be a way for us to measure the truth. If you look at Galatians chapter one and man, you know, we really try to drive this point home with our children to make sure that they understand that there is no new gospel so confident was the Apostle Paul in his presentation of the gospel to the Galatians. In verse 6, chapter 1, he says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and returning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. Hmm. So in other words, there's not another gospel that is the same but different. We've talked about this on the show before, because as we were working through this with our kids, we, we talked about what we were trying to teach them so that they could understand that there is only the faith, the one faith. It's the, it's the difference between saying you're having a cup of coffee and then you ask for another cup of coffee. It's more of the same. The Apostle Paul is saying there's no such thing as a, another that would be sort of different, but it's the same. Mm. No such thing. There is one gospel. And then in the strongest possible terms, in the strongest possible terms, the apostle Paul writes in verse eight, but even if we are an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be a curse. So if someone is coming to you and saying, well, you know, there are new ways for us to look at this. What we once defined as sin, now it's just preference. Dead giveaway. Dead giveaway. Dead giveaway. We must reject it. All right. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back.
Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So it's interesting that you would have a so-called church moving to recognize, sanction, host, um, approve, so-called bless, a marital union, as they would call it, that does not have in view at all this command to be fruitful and multiply. Mm. The problem is that what because we live in a wicked culture that our, unless you're culture proof, then your thinking on this is not going to be consistent with the word of God. Now, listen right. to me very carefully, okay? We have a culture that over years has robbed us of our ability to appreciate the blessing of marriage and to understand what God commanded should happen in the context of marriage. So reproduction is not the afterthought of sexual intimacy. It's in full focus. But because we have a, a culture that has systematically removed that from our thinking, even among Christians, we don't even recognize how wicked it is to call a marital union something that it could never be one, two, to say, but you can't even do what God expects us to do. Wow. We don't, this, our culture wants to strip and has effectively, even among Christians, stripped this command from the gift of sexual intimacy. And we don't even bristle at it. We don't even have a problem with it. Because hmm. we've, we, we don't, we're in the fishbowl, so we're not aware. Yeah, yeah. You understand? Yeah. But the word of God serves as an anchor to God's purposes and his plan. Now, listen, I can hear the person saying, well, what about married couples who struggle with infertility, Miki? Okay, but you answered that in asking it. It's a struggle. Right, right. It's entered into with the expectation that if all things are working as they should, right. we should be able to obey God in this command. Right. So it is something that you could rightfully take to the Lord in prayer and you could ask the Lord, but there are not two men or two women who are going to take this to the Lord where come on guys. Genesis chapter two, verse 24. Now this to the, to the point of the cohabitation where um, we've done shows where we've talked about the studies on this and, and how Christians have changed their thinking on God's design for human sexuality and, mm -hmm. and how sexual intimacy is to focus within the context of a marriage, a covenant commitment before witnesses, we have our civil laws. Okay. Where, and, and even, you know, there are people who say, and, and we, we had this discussion here actually was kind of batted about a bit. 
How can churches protect themselves against government intrusion? Yeah. You know, can can churches come up with a means by which to unite man and woman where we recognize this before the Lord and before other witnesses? These two, this this man and this woman, they have entered into a covenant together. That is a discussion that that we need to have. But I think everybody agrees that there is a type of official way to recognize that. That we 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 all know that there is a way to recognize that. Mm. Genesis chapter two, verse 24. And, and we have to teach our kids this again, as age appropriate as possible. We have to teach our kids this so that they do not change with the culture on understanding what God has designed for marriage. What happens during sexual intimacy? That it is not just an act. Our kids are being taught that in school, by the way. That's what our kids are being taught, comprehensive sexual education. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So here is something that is really important for us to understand that this command to leave and to hold fast is not merely a command of location. Get out and go get your wife. It's a command of bondedness. The two becoming one flesh. And I mentioned this at the conference last weekend. The two becoming one flesh is not a metaphor. It's not poetry. Although it is really a beautiful concept. But it's not just that. One plus one, equaling one, if you will, (laughs) is a factual revelation of what happens during sexual intimacy. God is revealing what happens during sexual intimacy, which is why, because we've handed over this lesson to a godless culture, that wants to teach our kids it's godless ways in schools because we have handed this discussion over. Our kids don't understand this. So they are connecting themselves. They are one fleshing themselves to people over and over and over Mm. again. And the consequences are dire. Right. And people say, Oh, wait a minute. I thought the one flesh union was just it was a description of marriage. Well, let's see what the Bible says about that. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 16. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? Hmm. For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. This is hearkening back to the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So what is God saying? It's not just a command of location. Go there and now live together as one It is you two are joining yourselves together. I want you to understand that you become one in body. This is this is huge to be understood. Come on. uh, In the church as well, because we know that the the stats of, you know, how much uh, 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 extramarital uh, relationships are happening, you know, within the church. Because I I think this what, what you're talking about is not understood that every time, you know, you're having sex with a person, you know, you are. You are being bonded to that person. To they don't that understand person. that. To that person. They do not understand it. And, I, you know, I, 
and I'll open the phone lines, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. And, of course, you want to make sure that you have this conversation when it's age appropriate. Right. But I had this conversation with our daughters. And I tried to, I tried to help them to understand God's design for mm-hmm. healthy human sexuality. I am not ashamed of the word of God. We don't have to be graphic and raunchy like our culture is. Come on. on. You understand? That's what they do. They want to shock our children. Mm. They want to disturb our children, give them no rest. But the, the solution or the response to that is not as parents that we keep quiet and clutch our pearls in the corner. Right. We have to say God's design is beautiful. Look at what God has done. So we've got to be louder than the culture. We've got to fall on the word of God in presenting this to our children. We've got to be able to discern and ready to take action if our church moves away from this truth. Mm. Because this this has a way of trickling down to where our kids begin to feel like, well, if I mean, your your views are antiquated. Even at my church, they don't think. My youth pastor said. So I was talking to our daughters and I was trying to explain to them, you know, look, look at this, look at this piece of tape. How many times can I stick it and then pull it up and then restick it and then pull it up and then restick it? Mm-hmm. And it maintains its stickiness and doesn't take from the surface something that was there before, bringing it to the next time I stick. And, and I'm going to tell you, this, this may not do it for some of your kids. I don't know. But man, I, I, there was a revelation, a light bulb going off in the, in the hearts and the minds of our daughters. And one of our daughters said, man, this really grieves me. Mm. Because you know what she understands? That the way our culture talks about sex does not have that in view. Mom, I really feel sad that so many people are just engaging in this activity. They have no idea. No, they don't. They don't. But let it not be so among us and with our children and the household of faith. Let us hold fast to the word of God. Let us be ready to check what's happening in our church against the scriptures. Mm. Amen. All right. 888-589-8840. You can call us if you'd like. Will the Great, where do we go first? All right. Let's go to John in Texas. Hi, John. Hello, you guys. Again, I wanted to say Hello. Hello. Yes. Yes, I wanted to say thank you for all your hard work and the scriptures that you quote. Um, I wanted to say, again, the misdirection of the church. It's kind of like, you know, they have an adage saying, if at first you don't succeed, Mm. read the directions. Uh. (laughs) You got me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the Bible. When people do not read the Bible, yeah. You know, you can be the most well-intended person, and you try to do your best, and you try everything, but you didn't follow the directions. You mm. put that piece on backwards. Yep. And I think the misdirection of the church comes directly from that. There are so many people that have never read the Bible. They only mm-hmm. listen to, and they have the best spirit it hoped for, but it's not the true spirit of truth because they never read the directions. And I think the mis, I guess, uh, the problem with people, same-sex relationships, and many other type things, 
because of lack of love. They don't feel loved. So, you know, it's acceptable. They're looking for whether it be drugs or sex or Mm -hmm. rock and roll or whatever it may be. They are lacking that nurturing love from the great God above. Mm, John, thank you you so much. I, 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 um, I was reminded when John was speaking um, how we used to the the song who had the song one of one of our uh, Christian groups basic instructions before leaving earth oh yeah yeah you know and, and it's so true man um, everything that we talk, need okay. I can't Salvador Salvador okay Salvador yeah, yeah. Um, everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness the Lord has given to us amen we don't we don't ever have to go outside of the scriptures to understand how to live for the glory of God amen how great is our God? Mm. Will the Great, where do we go next? Let's go to Jeremy in Alabama. Hi, Jeremy. Hey, guys. Um, I just had a question. Um, do you think that the people that are getting misguided by the church over there, do you think that God will somehow, you know, um, not judge them as harshly since they're being uh, kind of uh, led that way by the church? Thank you. That, mm. that is a great question, Jeremy. And I'm so glad you asked that question because there was something I wanted to discuss that I thought, you know, time's not going to allow me to discuss it. There was a time where I used to feel like, oh, man, but what about what about those people who are in those churches and they just don't know? And, and what about those people who now look, that does not absolve us of responsibility in telling people the truth. We right, each have responsibility right. to tell people the truth no matter where they go to church. But let me say this here and the time that we have left now, try to squeeze in one more call. But this is a very important question that Jeremy has asked. Second Timothy, chapter four. Second Timothy chapter four, verses one through five, Hmm. but I'm going to start with verse three for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers Hmm. to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Wow. So there is a certain level of compassion that we have to have for people and we want to snatch them as ones in the fire. We, we, we want to pull those people back. But we also have to understand that the word of God already tells us that there are people who are going to gather to what they want to hear. Mm. So if they want to be justified in their sin. Then they're going to gather people who will justify their sin. If they want to hear that, hey, we're all all right, then they're going to find themselves in a place where they can be comfortable in their sin. But listen, God has given every man a measure of conscience. God's case against humanity, Romans chapter one, his case against humanity is open, shut, it's firm. Man has no excuse. What is to be known about God? God has made it known to us. So even the person who is living, cohabitating, there is, there is something inside of them that God has placed that says, this is wrong. Hmm. This is wrong. Now, do we continue to reach out to people and to tell them the truth and to pull them back? We're trying to pull people off the conveyor belt to destruction. I'm not ashamed to say that because I was pulled off the conveyor belt to destruction. We have to keep doing that. We have to keep fighting for people and helping. But there there comes a point where people will reject you because you're bringing that truth because they've enjoyed the comfort of their own sin. That's right. They've enjoyed being able to live. Look, if I, if I can live with my boyfriend and I don't have to worry about submitting to God's law and then I can go to a church and be validated, mm. you don't come over here telling me I'm wrong. Mm. 
All right, we're out of time. Until tomorrow, we'll open the phone lines wide open, so make sure you listen. But until then, Lord willing. God bless.